What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Most of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to the Pomp Podcast, simply the best podcast out there. Now let's kick this thing off. Jeremy Allaire is the founder and CEO of Circle, a digital currency company. Kevin O'Leary is an institutional investor and star of ABC's Shark Tank. In this conversation, we discuss stablecoins, yield generation, regulation, USDC, institutional investment interest, and corporate balance sheets. I really enjoyed this conversation with both Jeremy and Kevin, and I hope you do as well. Before we get into this episode, though, I want to quickly talk about our sponsors. First up is BlockFi. BlockFi provides financial products for crypto investors. Those products include a high-yield interest account, a U.S. dollar loan product against your crypto collateral, and a no-fee cryptocurrency exchange. BlockFi also just released their Bitcoin Rewards credit card. It's a brand new credit card that works like an old credit card, but it pays you in Bitcoin as a reward rather than airline miles or cash back. That's right. It's a regular credit card. You swipe it and you earn Bitcoin back. I have mine. I'm an investor in the business and I absolutely love the Bitcoin Rewards credit card. It's almost like a game. I just keep swiping and swiping and swiping and swiping and earning Bitcoin back. Go to BlockFi.com slash POMP today to start earning yourself. BlockFi.com slash POMP. Next up is Choice. It's time to stop paying capital gains taxes on your Bitcoin, and Choice is here to help. Choice is rebuilding the way Bitcoiners approach retirement by making it possible to invest in Bitcoin and 19 other digital assets inside your IRA. Right now, every time you make a trade, you have to pay capital gains taxes that could be as high as 37%. Choice enables you to trade real Bitcoin, other crypto, and stocks without having to pay a dime in capital gains. The best part, they just released an iOS app, so you can open an account in less than 10 minutes and take control of your future from the palm of your hand. Join me and the 20,000 other Bitcoiners who have started their tax-efficient stack and open your choice account today. Search Stack Sats in the App Store or visit choiceapp.io slash pomp. That's choiceapp.io slash pomp or search Stack Sats in the App Store. And one more thing, if you want to hold your own keys, Choice lets you do that too. Start stacking tax-efficient SATs today and visit choiceapp.io slash POMP. Again, choiceapp.io slash POMP. Last but not least is Circle. Circle is a global financial technology firm that enables businesses of all sizes to harness the power of stablecoins and public blockchains for payments, commerce, and financial applications worldwide. Circle is also a principal developer of USD Coin, USDC, which is the fastest growing, regulated, fully reserved double stablecoin in the world, now standing at more than $30 billion market cap and is adding nearly $300 million of net new digital dollars in circulation every single week. The free Circle account and suite of platform API services bridges the gap between traditional payments and crypto for trading DeFi and NFT marketplaces. Learn more at circle.com. Again, circle.com. Hope you really enjoyed this conversation about stablecoins, yield generation, regulation, and institutional investment interest with both Jeremy Allaire, the CEO of Circle, and also Kevin O'Leary, the hit star of ABC's Shark Tank. All right, let's get into the episode. Hope you guys enjoy this one. Anthony Pompliano runs Pomp Investments. All views of him and the guests on his podcast are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Pomp Investments. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Pomp or his guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his personal opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Jeremy, how are you? Hey, I'm really good. Nice to see you, Pomp. Nice to see you as well. Kevin, how are you? 
Very good. Very good to see you again. Jeremy, let's start with you in terms of uh, give us an update just for those that don't know. What is Square uh, or I'm sorry, what is Circle? And then talk to us about the suite of products that you guys have built uh, for various financial organizations to use. Yeah, no, no problem. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, Circle is a global financial technology firm. We've been operating in the crypto and digital currency space for about eight years since 2013, Um, have built a, a number of platforms and products. Um, you know, today we operate the largest uh, regulated dollar digital currency in the world, aka dollar stablecoin, which is uh, USD coin or USDC, which is about 33 billion in circulation and uh, accounts for a, a huge amount of the kind of payments and settlement activity and in, in um, blockchain transactions and payments and DeFi and, and markets and, and more and more other types of activities. We uh, we operate that. We also provide accounts for businesses that want to be using dollar digital currency and other crypto as a core part of how they hold value their treasury accounts as well as payment utility through through payment account functionality and we offer that in a, a number of different ways but you know we fundamentally offer it as a set of apis and platforms that developers can build on top of so whether you're a startup that's building an NFT market, or you're an established fintech that wants to build in support for things like stablecoins and crypto in your own products and services. We offer that set of APIs that connect the existing banking system, the card networks, the bank networks, things like that, into uh, blockchain native uh, digital currency, you know, payments, settlement, and treasury kind of services. And, and I think the la- last piece here that that I would note in in, in that area is um, we have a treasury product which is Circle Yield, which provides a way for businesses specifically that want to allocate uh, dollars into USDC-based lending markets and generate high yield uh, on on their dollars and USDC. And then last but not least, we also operate one of the largest fundraising platforms for startups in the United States, a product called Seed Invest, uh, which has uh, grown quite a bit over the past couple of years. And we're excited about continuing to help startups build and grow their companies, also increasingly using more and more kind of digital native approaches. Got it. And Kevin, last week when we talked, you talked a little bit about um, kind of using these stable coins to generate yield, like uh, Jeremy was just talking about. Talk to us about what are you guys actually doing with USDC and how does that work? So I'm actually one of those business accounts uh, on um, on Circle, I, probably one of the earlier ones. The, the biggest problem most, uh, let's call them institutional clients have with USDC is a compliance infrastructure that locks into their systems. So, you know, in my operating company, I'm no different than many millions of businesses. I have a compliance officer because I'm an investor in all kinds of financial services that are issuers. And so I have to be able to mark to market uh, at at four o'clock. My compliance officer has to see the positions and then send that report off to the auditors who are external that would sign those docs and then report to the regulator in the various geographies we operate in. The, the trouble with USDC or any stable coin for me just you know a year ago was, what platform can I plug into my compliance department with? Is it, is it going to be a bunch of decentralized um, systems where I'm trying to convince my auditor that this is compliant? And I wasn't able to. I simply wasn't. I could not get them on board for using the traditionally decentralized it was only when uh, I met uh, the team at Circle and Jeremy down at, uh, in February in Florida that we started the dialogue with my own internal compliance and then eventually our auditors 
Um, and we're still in the in the startup test phase. We, we were actually you know, putting more and more dollar amounts in to prove that this works and that you can actually uh, do it on a, a daily basis. You can open up your account. You can see your positions. You can see where you're on or offside. And uh, right now, um, you know, currently, we're waiting for the regulator to rule on uh, USDC. Right. I'm trying to convince my own. A compliance department that if you don't want to treat it as money market, then treat it as a stock and put the same uh, weightings on it. So th- the good news is the potential for this. And the only reason I'm doing all this work and that, that I'm involved with this is I have a lot of cash sitting around now because we took we drew down our our commercial real estate portfolio materially over the last year and a half. And our alternative for cash is 21 basis points which doesn't even beat inflation. So we are looking for a solution like this. And all the rest of this work is working with compliance and regulators and infrastructure and, and getting this thing on side. And so I'm, I'm trying to you know, drag my compliance people and auditors out of the dark into the light on this thing. And that's the good news. But the even more interesting news is how much of this USDC has grown even since I started. I mean, Jeremy, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're closing in on $30 billion here. And that means there's a lot of people doing the same thing I'm doing. And we're not even, you know, we're not on side yet. And that means the potential's 100, 200, 500 times bigger. So, that's where we're at. And uh, I think the potential of Circle is huge. I intend to become a shareholder as soon as uh, the already disclosed SPAC uh, de-SPACs. I'll be part of that pipe. And it's a great business. And I think it's a great solution. And I think uh, we'll know more in the, in the months and years ahead on how USDC grows into a payment system. Jeremy, talk to us about how big it actually is right now. Yeah. So, you, so USDC, I mean, just to give you some perspective, the beginning of 2020, right as the pandemic was coming, USDC um, was about you know 400, 500 million in circulation. Um, we 10 xed last year, so we grew from 400 million to 4 billion in circulation. So January 1st, literally of this year, there were 4 billion USDC in circulation. Today, we're nosing up against 33 billion. USDC in circulation. So on track again for roughly another 10X year of growth this year. And and we've seen over a trillion dollars in transactions done with USDC on public blockchains. That's not including all the volume that happens on exchanges and things like that. So um, really have seen extraordinary growth uh, you know, in that, and and as as Kevin was was saying, you know, um, you know, people are 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 seeing that stablecoins are an extremely efficient way to settle transactions around the world. In the same way, we can exchange data on the internet, we can now exchange value, uh, but it's also you know tapping into these crypto capital markets and the demand that exists for digital dollars in these markets uh, to obviously create. Uh, you know, these kind of fixed income type opportunities uh, for people with their stable coins. Got it. And when you guys start to think about this, obviously individuals is kind of a no brainer. They can move quickly. They can determine, hey, I want a higher yield. Uh, businesses seem to be um, becoming interested. Kevin, you're doing a great job kind of uh, highlighting how your business is thinking about it. Is this something where we believe that every corporation uh, that's publicly traded, um, you know, lo- large sovereign wells, large uh, endowments, foundations, pension funds, et cetera, they will all start to kind of get in the game here as well? Uh, or is this something that is more so uh, private market companies and individuals? 
tools. And that's where we think really kind of the addressable market is. I mean, I'll touch on part of that. I'm sure Kevin's got great perspective on this too, uh, which, you know, my view here is that the shift to digital currency based payment and treasury infrastructure, which is essentially to say uh, businesses that connect to the internet are going to increasingly, not just with their digital content and their software and their information services, they're going to move their financial services entirely to internet native infrastructure, that as that happens, every single internet savvy business in the world is going to store value in digital currency, is going to transact in digital currency, and is absolutely going to use it as a cash management and a treasury type infrastructure. So we think the total addressable market is every internet connected business in the world, from startups to the biggest public companies. To, to more precisely though, I think um, today we're seeing um, you know, it's an interesting bifurcation. When I look at the, the kinds of businesses that are signing up for this in the early access period, which, which Kevin has noted, he was the very first customer we signed up, which was, which was uh, pretty cool for, for this new, new capability. Um, it's, it is everything. It's from startups that are crypto native uh, to uh, a, you know, significant financial institutions and public market companies and others that are, uh, you know, looking at ways in which they can diversify some of their treasury assets. So it's both institutional asset allocators, but also businesses, mainline businesses that see this as a way to augment what they do with uh, with dollars as well. Kevin, how are you thinking about sizing it for your business? Um, and then how do you think other folks will think about sizing uh, this type of product uh, if they've got large pools of capital but have kind of different structures from a company standpoint? I'd like to put a lot more into USDC, but I can't get my guys on board yet for getting past a mandate that we have up to a 5% weighting in an equity. And they keep pointing the finger at me saying, let the regulator rule on this thing. Um, because there has been some discussion in the market regarding stable coins. And I don't really think that all stable coins are created equally, um, but that's a, a different debate. You know, there's a, a lot of, of noise uh, within the crypto community about Tether and other situations. You're well aware of that, Pop. I know that. Um, what I would love to have happen, frankly, is that uh, the regulator, and I'm not speaking for Jeremy, I'm just saying what I'd like to see happen, is simply turn him into a bank. And I can use this as cash alternative to uh, what I would hold on my on my balance sheet because I'm not making anything on U.S. dollars. Um, I, I'm able to to lend this or uh, stake it, if you wish, whatever you want to call it, and make between 5.8 and 6.2. And in other cases, if I wish to leave and use other platforms, even more. But my my bigger problem, and I, I, I can speak to this for many institutions that I service in the more traditional equity markets and indexing, um, we, we need a plug and play solution so that, you know, we can just say, OK, let's open an account with Circle. Uh, let's put in, you know, 20 percent of our cash holdings into USDC. Let's use it as a payment system. Uh, let's stake it and get some yield on it. That's also in USDC issued. I can convert that back to fiat if I want. Uh, and I, but I don't need anybody hassling me. I, I want I want the regulator to tell me I'm okay with it. Um, you know, Jeremy's well able to deal with them and, and solve it. I'm, I'm basically betting his horse is going to win this race, I guess. Um, and I'll be already set up, and then I can turn the spigot on and put some real dough to work. 
and because it's 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 small right now as we're learning the systems and how it works and how the reporting works. But the demand is is going to be huge. And I'm happy to be, you know, the first uh, business account. I'm happy to be the guinea pig, whatever you want to call it. I just wish that we would get some clear, some clarity, um, even if it doesn't, even if the regulator didn't have to deal with Bitcoin, let's leave that alone. Let's just deal with stable coins. Let's get a ruling on that. Let's get that worked out. And let me get to work on that because, because there's no, the train has left the station. This isn't going away. Let's get on with it. Let's rule on it. Let's tell us what the rules are. And let's get moving. And, and I'm, I'll, I'll speak on behalf of Sovereign Index and every fund. We're all in the same boat on this. I've got two of my, bro- my brothers here with me. Uh, or go ahead, Jeremy. What were you going to say? Yeah, I was just going to, I was going to ch- just chime in on, 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 on a point there, which is just to say, um, you know, as I think a lot of people know, we went out of our way to, um, you know, to, to build USDC as a sort of electronic stored value, money transmission technology. That was sort of the, the state of the art in terms of, how regulation applied to digital currency firms that were doing this kind of activity. And that's how it's regulated today, which is well understood. Uh, it's like your balance in a PayPal account or, or, or Stripe or Square or, or others. And I think it's now really getting much, much larger. And so you've got um, you know, the US Treasury Department, you've got the Fed, you've got others sort of saying, okay, at scale, this actually um, is is you know ought to be kind of supervised as a banking activity, as a a, a special form of banking activity, stablecoin uh, banking activity, uh, and we agree with that. And as you know, we are preparing to file for a national digital currency bank charter, um, and we believe that is the right approach to the kind of cash side of this. And then the other, which is, you know, um, the, the lending of stable coins either can be a bank activity or it can be, you know, structured as securities that are purchased uh, and, and entered into uh, like other fixed income, you know, products. And that's also how we've structured Circle Year. It, it, it is structured as a note purchased agreement. It is uh, structured as a security. And I think that's an understandable instrument uh, for corporations that are, uh, are are utilizing their their cash and capital in, in different ways. Got it. I've got two of my brothers here. What questions you guys got? Hey, Kevin, nice to see you again. Jeremy, nice to meet you. Uh, Jeremy, so my question would be, people can earn uh, on USDC somewhere between six to 7% yield, kind of depending on the, the length of the term. So my question would be, how are you able to do that versus traditional lending instruments? Yeah. It's a great question, um, and, and there's actually a, a good amount of info out there on this on, on, on our website and others. So the, the the way to think about this today is the the yields on USDC today are are driven by demand in the crypto capital markets. Uh, and when I say crypto capital markets, I mean all of the different investing, trading, lending, other capital market activity that's happening in digital asset native infrastructure, whether that's on centralized exchanges or, or, or on DeFi. And within that arena, there is a very significant amount of dollar stablecoin borrowing demand. There are in, in, in principally, from our perspective, very high quality institutional borrowers. And these range from asset managers and other forms of asset allocators to uh, hedge funds, to um, OTC firms, electronic markets firms, you know, m- many, many other institutional market participants who want to borrow dollar stable coins uh, and, and put those to work in these markets. And they're willing to pay 
uh, high interest rates for that. And if and, and they're willing to pay those high interest rates because they're actually generating significantly higher returns and they can't go to JP Morgan Chase or they can't go to Goldman Sachs to borrow stable coins. Uh, and so there is this intrinsic market demand that exists. Um, and this has existed for years and years and years. Uh, I operated one of the largest OTC trading desks uh, for a long time. Um, and we borrowed uh, all the time. Um, and it was a really powerful way to augment the working capital that you had as a firm. And so that that's just going on. It's going on at a much, much larger level now. There's also a, a retail dimension to that, which is a lot of the borrowing against uh, protocols like Aave and Compound and others. Um, that's very much individuals. Um, we exclusively lend on a wholesale basis to institutional borrowers. Uh, and I think what also makes the, the approach that we're taking unique is a, it's, you know, certainly it's these high interest rates that are, that are, you know, you know, being paid. But secondly, we actually over collateralize every single, every single loan. So if you're lending a million USDC through us, we're actually, um, we're getting, $1.25 million in Bitcoin collateral against that. And we're constantly adjusting the amount of BTC based on intraday price movements to ensure that we're always in that 125% collateralization. So not only is it a, uh, uh, you know, a, a high yield, it's also a, a secured, uh, over-collateralized uh, you know, um, you know, you know, asset as well. So I think that also makes it pretty interesting. John, what questions you got? Yeah, nice to meet you both. Hello, Kevin again. Um, so there's about 32 billion USDC in circulation. Can you talk about what actually backs that? Um, and then going forward, will that change at all or be consistent? Yeah, absolutely. So um, just at a high level, the way to think about this is when we launched USDC over three years ago, we did it and have operated it under, as I described to you earlier, the regulations that exist by banking supervisors throughout the United States. So state money transmission regulation. So the same regulation that applies to the roughly $35 billion that PayPal holds on its balances, the however many billion that Square holds and so on, same regulations. And those regulations have require us to maintain a one-for-one -one reserve in dollar-denominated assets that are liquid such that we can always provide that dollar uh in, in you know that that dollar uh, in exchange for an, an electronic money stored value instrument so there is a regulatory framework around this we've been examined audited uh, constantly report that both with the banking regulators and our and our public company auditors and then we took another step which was to basically every month provide a report, not, not an audit because you don't get audited uh, every month, but a uh, an attestation on that. In fact, we're meeting those obligations and it's on a one-for-one -one basis with the digital currency units or tokens outstanding. So we've been doing that for several years. Um, the, the state laws um, essentially bound you to a very conservative underlying uh, set of permissible investments. So you're bound to a very, very conservative base of permissible investments. And if you go outside of that, you're breaking the law. Uh, and so we've always been inside of that. Um, we've based on market feedback, as well as sort of, I think, where we think regulators are going on this. And this is through what I'll kind of call public sector signaling, policymaker preferences, proposed regulations on stable coins that we're seeing in the UK and Europe and Singapore and other places. 
we um, where this is going is that uh, stablecoin reserves, if you want to call it that, uh, should be in kind of cash and cash equivalents exclusively. That is what we're seeing uh, demanded, uh, and that's what we've moved to. Uh, so we are a hundred percent in cash and cash equivalents. Uh, and we're committed to to remaining in that uh, position uh, until we see regulations say otherwise. I mean, I think this is going to be a moving target over time as these get to you know if it's uh, you know uh, half a trillion or a trillion uh, dollars of value in these dollar digital currencies. Um, what is the underlying kind of risk liquidity fiduciary model that the Federal Reserve, U.S. Treasury, and others will want to see? That will evolve, obviously, significantly over time. But today, just to you know, take a long answer and make it very short, it's 100% in cash and cash equivalents. Awesome. Kevin, when you think about USDC, we've talked a lot about uh, the yield component and thinking of it almost like an investment asset that you can drive that yield on. Is there a world where if you could convince the uh, partners or the customers or your uh, kind of business um, transaction uh, participants to take USDC, would you move a material part or a hundred percent of all of your wires and kind of legacy banking infrastructure payments to something like USDC, where you could do it more instantaneous, cheaper, faster, et cetera. Yeah, of course I would, but I can't do that now. I mean, let me explain what the potential from my point of view as a user of the product. One of the greatest frustrations that I've articulated over the last couple of years is what I do in uh, foreign markets on equities. I, I, I have a, an index uh, that involves 50 large cap European stocks that unfortunately, or fortunately, whatever you want to say, are in three different currencies in Swiss francs and euros and British pounds. Um, one of the largest friction points for me in rebalancing these indices is the fact that I have to go back and forth through FX costs for friction of FX trading. If, if regulators could get behind a, a digital payment system that would allow me to own the securities in, let's say, USDC at a price that's completely transparent and liquid, um, I could avoid that friction in, in perpetuity. And, and it would be a much more efficient way to do business to settle in, in a universal digital currency. Now, I know that sounds you know, euphoric, but ultimately, we need to get there. And, and the U.S. dollar today is that currency. It still is. Um, you know, many people speculate its future. But for hundreds of years, it's been the currency that people settle on for all kinds of commodities and services. It, it's very inefficient for what I'm doing uh, in these markets to, to pay these, these, these FX costs, which vary by the hour. And I see no value added. And so to me, let, let's get moving. Let's, let's lead the world in this, in this process and this efficiency. Uh, I hate the idea that um, our regulator would hold us back against innovation when clearly it's needed. And, and on the baseline of USDC, which, you know, there are rules for money market funds. When, when you go to cash in your you know, brokerage account, you get swept, if you wish, into a money market account that has rarely broken a buck. And there are rules. I see no reason we can't apply that kind of regulatory environment to USDC and, you know, have that settle that way. And of course, I would put more into it because I don't know where rates are going to be once the regulator, you know, rules on USDC. They probably go down. You're not going to get 6% anymore because there'll be a flood of institutional demand. But it's going to be better than what I'm getting on US cash is my assumption. And in addition to that, could be far more efficient as a payment system across a wide range of different uses. I mean, the use cases here are, are very broad. And so 
you know, one way to look at it, and I've tried to convince in my own conversations with regulators, and m- most of us have these ongoing dialogues in our day-to-day business, to start thinking about USDC as software, really efficient software. If you're willing to invest in Microsoft, and I've said this before in Google, why aren't you investing in software that has such promise? And that's basically what, in my view, it's a personal opinion, but when I invest in Circle as a business, I'm investing in software that provides tremendous productivity and efficiency. In a a business I've been in for decades, financial services. And and the same for the chain, for all of the other investments I'm making in in cryptocurrencies, coins, tokens, and blockchain itself, it's, it's software to me. And I think it's a necessary investment. And I hope that our, regulator, our regulators see that we should lead the world in developing these protocols and these standards and help us do so. Jeremy, one of the big questions that people uh, have in the chat is how does Circle make money? And how does uh, being in cash and cash equivalents 100% until you get that clarity from regulators, how does that affect your ability to make money either positively or negatively? Yeah. So there are really a few buckets of income for Circle. The first is that USDC infrastructure. So we're the principal operator of that market infrastructure. There's, as as noted, 32 going on 33 billion. Um, It's in a very conservative uh, posture. And the best way to think about that is, yes, we generate income from that. And it's highly interest rate sensitive, right? So like other financial services cyclicals, if interest rates rise, there's there's certainly more income potential from that piece. But we think of that as really like, um, we're we're trying to operate a a market infrastructure that everyone can can take advantage of. The second piece is through Circle account, um, we monetize in two ways. One is people who take advantage of our yield services and who are lending USDC and generating income uh, uh, from those interest rates uh, and and spread capture in that. The second is through what we call our transaction services. So more and more businesses want to integrate the existing financial rails with things like USDC and blockchain infrastructure. So we have a broad set of transaction services that connect all those, provide platforms and APIs people can build on top of. And we monetize that based on essentially usage fees. How much are you using those transaction services? How much are you using um, that the wallet infrastructure, the storage infrastructure, the blockchain infrastructure, and our fiat rails? So that's another big category uh, of income. So you've got the treasury services, the transaction services, you have USDC, uh, you know, interest income. And then the third is basically um, we have a take rate for every dollar of capital that we raise for startups. We've helped startups raise hundreds of millions of dollars. That's growing really nicely. That's a really exciting business. Uh, our, our investment platform, our seed capital platform. Uh, and so we have a take rate uh, in that as well, which is another source of, of income for the company. Got it. So you got kind of a, a diversified revenue stream here, which which makes a ton of sense. Kevin, when you think about uh, investing in Circle in that pipe, and I know some of this starts to play out uh, o- over time, um, but equity, I'm assuming that you as an investor are thinking about getting that kind of crypto exposure like we talked about last week. That would be an equity investment, which doesn't go in the same bucket as, let's say, your stable coin cash position that's generating yield, which may not go in the same bucket as, let's say, your minor position as well. And so you're you're kind of actually in some weird way not thinking of crypto as one single bucket, but it's actually your stocks, bonds, currencies, and commodities. You're actually getting it infiltrated by these companies and technologies across all of those various buckets. 
markets. Is that a fair way to look at it? It is fair, but there's also a personal philosophy at play here. You know, when I started my wine business, I didn't own any vineyards. Now I do. Uh, I, I, I like to eat my own cooking. I like to own the vertical. I like to own the infrastructure that supports the business. So why wouldn't I want to own a piece of, of Circle if I'm using USDC? To me, it's just, it just makes intuitive sense. And, and as opposed to making, uh, you know, five or six percent interest on USDC as I, as I lend it out, uh, over a long period of time, if USDC becomes a standard, I hope it will, I'll enjoy the capital gains associated with owning part of the infrastructure. I, I have been uh, a stalwart on this. If you're going to get involved in Bitcoin, that is simply one asset. And I am very diversified now into miners, their equities, uh, some of the coins they own. Uh, certainly, why wouldn't I want a piece of circle if I'm going to be using USDC, as I said earlier? But you, you, have to, you have to make a binary decision. And there are many in the financial services market that haven't done the 180 that I have, that have convinced, they continue to try and convince themselves that there is no future in, in, this, in this software technology. There's no future in cryptocurrencies. There's no future in Bitcoin. There's, there's only regulatory hell ahead. I don't feel that way. I, I have a completely different view of the world. I see the efficiency, the productivity potential. And for me, if I look at my just, you know, the, the, the time I spend today at our 10 o'clock deal meeting, 40% uh, of that hour was just looking at the at the crypto deals that, that were being shown, we have a we're, we're very fortunate to have very, very large uh, deal flow. And it, it's almost half of what we look at now, placing bets on all kinds of different approaches of some, you know, in recent times, immutable holdings and WonderFi and hopefully Circle soon. And some of the coins that we've talked, the, the miners we've talked about that I own now. This is this is going to be a 20 percent weighting in our operating company as an it, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Call it the 12th sector of the S&P. That's what this is. And in my world, in my compliant world, I can own up to 20% of this sector and be compliant. And that's where I'm going. End of this year, seven, we'll see what happens next year. But Pomp, in included in that 20% are equities, coins, tokens, chain developers, you name it. You know, it's just, it's, uh, it, it's the 12th sector of the S&P, but nobody's called it that yet. You, you come on here and you tell us and flex that you got a winery and then you tell us the 12th sector. I mean, you are all time. I mean, we're going to have to bring you on like once a week to, if you're going to drop bombs like that. <laughs> uh, Jeremy, last question for you and then, uh, then we'll wrap up is uh, talk to, there's a bunch of folks here who they either run technology startups, uh, which means that if they're in the private market, they probably raised a lot of capital over the last 18 months or so. They got big balance sheets. Uh, there's a lot of small business owners uh, that also have driven and, and gotten a lot of capital on that balance sheet. How can they interact with Circle in terms of starting to get yield or or use any of the products in terms of like protecting that balance sheet or, or participating in some way? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, I, I think um, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, you can you can sign up for a Circle account, which is, is available for businesses. It's like opening a business bank account. So you you you, know, you need to provide you know, some information so our compliance organization can onboard you. And then you can sign up for the Treasury, uh, you know, the Treasury account um, offering, which is the yield service. And that allows you to uh, select, you know, one month, three months, six month, twelve month uh, tenors, and um, it's you know, weekly uh, adjusting rates. I think I think you know a, a three month is now uh, you know seven and a quarter or something like that. And you can um, you know you can elect to uh, essentially wire funds into USDC and then lend them. 
through that treasury account offering. We have uh, some pretty exciting new product uh, capabilities on that front coming uh, through the remainder of this quarter, but that's the basics. And so if you're a startup and you wanna utilize this both from a working capital management perspective or for the efficiencies of USDC as a payment rail, I think you know a lot of people who have used USDC to send and receive funds it's it's like night and day compared to uh, a wire or traditional bank transfer. It's it's sort of what we've all become accustomed to and using the internet is now functioning for dollars and, and dollar transactions on the internet. And so I think you know start using it with uh, partners, with vendors, with others, and and there are kind of network effects that go along with that in terms of bringing other people into this ecosystem. Awesome, I appreciate both of you. I, I this is me publicly saying I screwed up and I sent you guys the wrong link. So. This is, Kevin was late last week, but I sent you guys the wrong link. So everyone knows that if someone's late, it's usually my fault because I did something wrong. But I appreciate no both of you guys coming on. Thank you. Thank you. All Take right. Care. See you guys.